Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Good to see you all. Uh, yeah, it's my pleasure to be here to introduce to you Michael Graff. Uh, just to give you a little background, many of you know that I go to Mexico frequently to minister with Kaleo Ministries. Kaleo is a network of uh, church planting and missions. They're not only in Mexico, they're actually in the United States and, and um, Europe and Africa. <clears throat> in fact, uh, this church, along with our Kalamazoo congregation a few years back, uh, contributed uh, the finances to build a training center in Kenya. And um, that's now been expanded, and it's a full-on Christian um, training university for pastors in, in Kenya. And so that ministry is all part of the Kaleo work. Um, and uh, Michael and Amanda are youth pastors at a Kaleo church in Tennessee. And I was there last year, was it? Last year to do a teaching. I'm going to be there in a few weeks again. And they have schools uh, to train um, people to uh, further the kingdom. And uh, Josh Muse and Don and Jackie Raglan, who lead Kaleo, um, their vision is just perfectly aligned with ours, that we believe in planting churches that plant churches and a vision of raising up uh, uh, men and women to extend the kingdom. And whether that be planting a church or planting a small group or doing ministry in your workplace, uh, training and equipping people to get out into the world and do the work. And so that's why I go to Mexico is because they have that same vision and, and it's exciting to be part of it. Um, and I was in Mexico just a, a month or so ago uh, sharing with them and <clears throat> Don and Jackie Raglan who helped lead the, the ministry uh, mentioned Michael. And um, I was sharing with them that in the season we're having different guest speakers come in. And so they encouraged me to in invite Michael. You guys were in the school I did last year in Tennessee. And so it's an honor to have them. Michael, previous to being youth pastor, also pastored in the United Methodist Church. Um, but uh, is now part of the Clay Oak Ministries. So he's going to share a little bit about himself and then share the word. So would you give him a, a welcome Vandalia, welcome. Come on up. All right. Let's just pray for him. Would you stretch out your hand? Father, we thank you for Michael and Amanda. We thank you for their willingness to drive all the way up here to the northern land, to the land of Yankees <laughs> from Tennessee. And, uh, Lord, we just pray that you'd bless them and bless their spirits. Lord, bless them as he shares. Uh, bless them in their drive home this afternoon. And we just thank you that we can partner together building your kingdom locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. Lord, that we're part of a, a worldwide move of God. And it's just an honor to be a co-laborer. So just bless Michael as he shares. Bless our ears and our hearts to receive what you have for each one, I believe that God has a word for each person in this room, but your ear needs to be open to receive. And so believe that God has something for you uh, as our brother shares. God bless. All right. Well, thank you, Cameron. Well, thank you for uh, allowing me to come today and share with you all. Um, so I'll share just a little bit about us. Uh, me and Amanda. Amanda has always lived in Tennessee. She was born in the town that we live in. 
Um, I am from Tampa, Florida, so this is really a long way from there. Um, but I, so I moved from, from Tampa to, to Livingston uh, in the seventh grade. So I've lived there longer than I've lived anywhere. Um, but we, um, we have been in ministry for about 12, yeah, about 12 years now. Um, and I served two little tiny United Methodist churches and uh, enjoyed that very much. It was great. Um, but our church decided to uh, disassociate with the Methodist Church, and we're now a Kaleo congregation. And so when that happened, I, we, we decided to go back to our home church uh, and serve there. And so we've been serving as uh, children and youth pastor there for uh, about a year and a half now. Um, I am actually a school teacher also. Uh, I teach sixth grade science and social studies at our local middle school in Livingston. Uh, and Amanda's a registered nurse at the hospital in the next town over. Um, and so it's a pleasure being here. I definitely want to say that it's amazing to see all of those kids funnel out of here like you all have a serious amount of world changers right there. Um, it like I, I almost started crying when I saw that. Like it's amazing uh, to see kids go out and um, and and learn about Jesus and learn. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times kids come to church and they really don't understand what it is until they're adults, but. Uh, I believe I, I met Israel yesterday, and so I believe that um, that they're being taught about Jesus, about the Word. And so uh, it's definitely a pleasure to be here. Uh, Cameron had shared with me that you all are uh, going through the attributes uh, of God and uh, out of Exodus, and so... Uh, he said, you're free to share a different attribute if you want to or whatever you want to share. And so um, I just started praying and I said, I think I can, I think I can uh, add in to the uh, attributes because I think there's a lot of them out there that we could choose from. And to me that whenever we look at, at the attributes of God, that we should be able to see those attributes in each other, that it's not just him that has those attributes to show to us, but that we show those same attributes to each other. And God uh, uh, entrusts us with those attributes to be shown to others. And so I'm going to share one of my favorite stories out of the Old Testament that I believe every one of us connect to. It's in 2 Samuel 9. And I will read the whole uh, chapter of 2 Samuel 9. So if you have your Bible, turn there. I'm going to pray. Jesus, I love you. Uh, Jesus, I thank you that you chose us. Uh, Lord, I pray that you speak through me or around me, that you speak in spite of me. Uh, that I am just a vessel, Lord, but most importantly, that you connect to our hearts and that you speak to me as I'm speaking, God. That we hear clearly what you want to say to us, uh, Lord, that you have prepared all of our hearts to receive a word from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to get my water. 
So 2 Samuel 9, starting in verse 1. One day David asked, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba, the king asked? Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked, Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, Yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? the king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him. At the home of Makar, son of Emil. So David sent for him and brought him to Makar's home, from Makar's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, uh, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 12 servants. Ziba replied, yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. Mephibosheth uh, had a young son named uh, Micah. From then on, all of the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. So I love the story of Mephibosheth trying to teach children how to say that's a little difficult, or some adults. Um, (laughs) But I love the story of Mephibosheth because it's a story about me. And it's a story about you. That God, in his kindness... Right And in Romans it says his kindness is what leads us to repentance. To me, kindness is one of the greatest attributes of God because it's one of the easiest attributes that we can share with other people. You don't have to like somebody or love somebody to be kind to them. Kindness is one of the greatest things that God has ever done for us. So... I want to talk a little bit about Mephibosheth, though. So the name Mephibosheth means destroyer or exterminator of shame. Pretty good name. Destroyer or exterminator of shame. I don't know about you all, but um, I have, in my life, had to have much shame uh, exterminated or destroyed. And 
if you look into how Mephibosheth was crippled, there was an accident when he was a child and he became crippled in, in both of his feet. So, I don't know, I'm not physically crippled, um, but I have had plenty of things happen in my childhood that crippled me. That I've had to work through as an adult and allow God to heal things in my heart, in my mind, so that I could move forward uh, in the relationship with Him. And it's virtually impossible to move forward in that relationship to change anything in our lives if we're not willing to accept God's kindness. So it's one of the easiest things to give to other people, but it's also one of the most easy things to accept. Sometimes it's hard to trust, sometimes it's hard to love, but it's not really hard to be kind or for somebody else to show you kindness. It's kind of an attribute that you don't have to accept. You just have to realize that it's there. Right? You have to accept love. You have to accept that you can trust somebody. But kindness is just shown. It is, uh, it, it, uh, is one, of the, the, um, one of the attributes of God that whenever we were still crippled, whenever we were unable to accept God's love, when we were unable to trust God, when we were unable to have anything to do with God because we, we didn't know how to accept the love of a father, that his kindness is what led us to repentance. His kindness is what leads us into a, a deeper relationship with him. Uh, to me, it's the, one of the foundational attributes that he gives uh, to us. So Mark Twain said, kindness is a language uh, is a language the mute can speak, the deaf can hear, and the blind can see. The kindness is given no matter how crippled you are. The kindness can be accepted no matter how crippled you are. And God is a kind of God that looks at us, and even though we're crippled and we can't make it to his table, he asks somebody to go get us and bring us to him. That he says, hey, I want you to find the only remaining person in Jonathan's family. Go find him and bring him to me. So he was living in a, in a far-off land. How many of you have ever lived in a far-off land from God? I know I have. And God says, I have a table prepared, and I want you to eat with me. And usually our response would probably be the, sh- the same as what Mephibosheth was, and that, well, I can't come because of something. I'm crippled. I'm not worthy. Uh, I'm, I'm unlovable. You can fill in the blank for whatever it has been in your life. I could use most of those for mine, anything you could think of. And he says, but I don't care about those things. You don't have to be healed to sit at my table. You don't have to be whole to sit at my table. You can be crippled and you can still eat with me. You can be full of shame. You can be full of guilt and you can still sit here with me and enjoy my presence. I had the hardest time um, coming to the realization that God was a good father. I know, I remember when that song came out that Chris Tomlin made, the, the Good, Good Father song. It was hard for me to sing that. 
Now, I had a, a, a dad that was not bad. He, he was a good dad. He just worked all the time. And he, he, was, he was there, but he wasn't there. Like, I knew he cared because he wasn't there because he was working all the time. He ran four businesses, and so he worked from 5 a.m. to 11 p.m. every day because he would have to go from one business to the other to make sure they were all running correctly. And I remember I was pastoring the first little Methodist church that I started pastoring, and um, I remember I was preaching one Sunday, and uh, I can't remember. I think it might have been on Father's Day, and I was I was sharing about this journey that I was walking through in uh, forgiving my dad, really for nothing that he knew that he did, and. Just out of my mouth came, uh, he only did the best that he knew how to do. And so at that moment, God broke something in my heart. And then I was able to say, okay, God, I can trust you to be my father. Because you're not just way out there. Like, I know you care, but you're out there somewhere. No, like, you're right here. And then last year in... um, in leadership school, uh, there's a lot of inner healing that happens there and uh, just listening to what the heart of God is. And, and I had wrote down a question. I should have brought my notebook with me to, to share, but I, I just this morning uh, decided I needed to share this. But I wrote down a question, and, and it was something like, God, why do you still seem so far away? And he said to me, because you refuse to sit in my lap. And so I was like, well, that's, that's pretty big that I refuse to sit in your lap. Like, I, like preparing a meal in a table and you choose to sit in the corner rather than enjoying the meal. And that most of us will live our life in the corner thinking, I'm in the house, I'm good, I don't need to get any closer than that. But his kindness is saying, no, come. I want you to be right here next to me. I want you to sit at the seat next to me and enjoy the meal with me, not watch me from the side. And so, uh, going back to uh, Mephibosheth, the place that he was at, was the name of it was Lodabar. Well, so if you look up what Lodabar means, it means place of no word or no communication. So he was living in a far off land, crippled in a place of no communication. <laughs> no internet or the winter time in Michigan um, so he's living in a place of no communication and he's crippled I, I for myself my life I can remember so many times feeling just utterly crippled and disabled by my situations, and I refused to communicate. His kindness leads us to repentance whenever we're willing to communicate. His kindness shows us His love. It it reveals the character of God to us, but if we're still living in low debar, nothing's going to change. He doesn't force us to communicate. He doesn't force us to read his word. He doesn't force us 
to, to have relationship with him or with other people. Now, most of us like being at the place of, well, I'm in low to bar and I'm crippled and I just want to wallow in it. Right? A lot of times that feels good. It feeds our flesh. It, it lets us know that we have problems. And that's not the place that God's called us to live. That's not the place that His kindness is being shown to us. His kindness says, come, be with me, even though you're crippled. If you'll communicate, if you'll just leave the place of no... That's all Mephibosheth had to do, is leave the place of no communication and come to his house to be invited for the rest of his life to feed, to sit, to enjoy the table with the king. Did he deserve it? No, not at all. He did nothing to deserve that other than being in the lineage of the king that came before him. Well, I hate to tell you all, but we are all in the lineage of the king. We all deserve to sit at his table. We all deserve, because of Jesus, to, to sit for the rest of the days of our life at that table with him. I think about whenever, uh, whenever communion is taken, right? Uh, communion, the communion table is a sacred place that is a timeless table. That whenever we come to that, we take communion with Jesus and his disciples. There's no, it is not confined by being in this building at this day. Right? We enter into a spiritual thing that has no boundaries. Like, you're taking communion with your grandchildren. You're taking communion with your grandparents. You're taking communion with anybody that's ever come to that table or anybody that will ever come to that table. And there's this, this amazing thing that happens in communion. It's called the perichloresis. It's this divine dance that we have with God. If we allow it to not be a religious thing and we take that in that timelessness of God. And this morning, I don't know why, but that came up in my mind of that the attributes of God are like the perichloresis, that divine dance. That as he... He shows his attributes to us. It's this dance that we take with him. Because his attributes are never ending. But he starts somewhere with us. So he shows his kindness. And then he takes us on this journey. Of him revealing himself to us in a greater and greater and greater way. That never ends. And it never ends because... We're at his table with him. Even though we're still crippled. We're still there. He doesn't say, you can come and you can enjoy one meal with me. And then let's go and get, get the crippledness gone. Let's heal you from the crippledness. And then you can come back. No, he says, I don't care if your crippledness is ever healed. I don't care if you can ever walk. I don't care about any of that because I want you with me. That's his greatest desire. He created us as the highest beings. The highest thing that he ever created in the universe is us. And it's because he created us for relationship with him. That's it. He didn't create us to do things for him. He didn't create us 
to, to uh, perform certain things. He created us to have a relationship with him. And that's the bottom line. That's it. Now, uh, I, where we live is a pretty religious area. And a lot of people want to say, well, I don't need anybody else because it's just me and Jesus. Well, that's equally as bad because if we don't have each other, there's no growth that happens. It takes us having each other, showing those attributes like kindness to each other in order for us to grow from glory to glory as we behold him. He takes us from this level to the next level and those levels never end as we're on that perichloresis with him. As he's showing us more of himself, he's taking us deeper into that relationship and intimacy with him. And that's the place, that's the desire, I believe, that he wants us to have. Is to say, God, I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. I'm not satisfied with the level that, I've, that I have decided to go because your levels never end. You're going to continue to take me deeper. And you're going to continue to show more of yourself to me. As long as I'm willing to say, yes, I'll go. Keep, continue, God. I'm not satisfied. I want more. I'm hungry. Then he says, all right, let's go. I grew up in church my entire life. I've never not been in church. I grew up in an Assembly of God church. And... Uh, I, I accepted Jesus whenever I was probably six or seven, I would say, and many times after that, um, every Sunday. Um, but at the age of 23, I uh, went through the walk to Emmaus, and, um, and, and we were dealing with something with, we have a 12-year-old son that has uh, a, a disorder, and at that point, he was five months old. We didn't know if he would live to be a year old. And so I had this like just weight of the world on my shoulders and I thought, God, I like I've known you my whole life. Why am I feeling like this? And Jesus revealed to me in his kindness that I had known the idea of who Jesus was. I had a good like concept of the guy that he was, but I had never experienced Jesus and his kindness in a real way. And so I, I remember I went to the altar that night. And it was like I felt like my feet were off the ground whenever I said, Jesus, I want to know you. And I meant it in a different way than I had ever said it before. And he met me there. So I spent, you know, 18 years going to church and had no clue who Jesus was. I had never accepted the kindness that he was wanting to show me. I mean, and in that point, I had worked for a church for a couple of years even. Uh, and so his path that he takes us on to show us who he is and the infinite amount of attributes that he has, the infinite amount of names that he has, that he is everything that we could ever uh, need or desire, he fills that place. So there are, there, uh, I had said a couple of them, but there are many things that keep us uh, from letting God accept us. Um, guilt, shame, depression, sadness, self-pity. Um, and many of us would refer to ourselves the same way 
that Mephibosheth did. That who am I for you to show kindness to a dead dog like me? And so if you go back and look at the context of that in the time, that was like the worst thing that you could call yourself in that time. That how would you, the king, show kindness to somebody as bad as me? To a dead dog like me. To something that would be just left on the side of the road to rot. And you're showing kindness to me. And let's see. He says. He says. I have given uh, everything that was Saul's. Everything that was your grandfather's. I'm giving it back to you. So he shows his kindness. By bringing him there. And then he says, everything that your family's ever owned, everything that you've ever had, I'm giving it all back to you. You've lived in a place of no communication and you've crippled, but I'm giving everything back to you. Everything in your heritage that that your grandpa Saul did and had is now yours. He was finally got to the place whenever he came and met with God that he he was able to accept the heritage that his grandpa had made for him well and God's saying the same thing to us Jesus has made a heritage you're in the lineage of Jesus he he has a heritage that's yours if you choose just to meet me in a place of even though you're crippled No matter what's wrong with you, no matter the things that you carry, I don't care what happened last week or when you were a kid or when you were a teenager. I care about what's happening right now. And I I will bring you to a place to meet me and then I'll heal you of those other things. Will I completely take you out of being crippled? Maybe not. If you look at Paul, he lived his whole life with a thorn in his side. There was something wrong with him, but that did not stop him from fulfilling the call that God put on him. It did not stop him from being one of the greatest evangelists that would have ever lived on this earth, even though he had something crippling. He knew whose table he ate at. Do we know whose table we eat at? Do we choose to sit in the corner and watch... Because we're in the house. That's all we need to be, right? We're going to heaven. Or do we choose to say, no, God, I know there's more on that table. I know there's more there than than anything I could ever long for. But if I never choose to sit with you at that table, I'm never going to get to be there. I'm never going to get to that point of, I can remember so much of my life of, Life was just like, you know, just waking up, working, going to like, that was it. That was life. Even though I always went to church, we've always went to church since we've been married. We've never not been a part of a church. But life changed when Jesus became real and that I started understanding God has got so many more levels than what I've ever experienced. And whenever I started uh, pastoring the first church that I, that I went to, I started realizing 
God, you have got to take me to another level for me to be able to connect to these people and love these people the way that you've called me to love people. And, and before that, I really didn't have a love for a lot of people. I, uh, I would scare my wife whenever we would go to the lake and people would do things. So, um, But God just like transformed my heart for people and allowed me to see people in a way that even in our fallenness, even in our brokenness, even in our crippledness, we still deserve to be loved. We still deserve to be shown kindness. And that what we do, what we say, the way we act, doesn't, uh, doesn't have any involvement with if we're able to sit with God at his table. If we're able to sit in his lap. That was super hard for me to accept that God was saying, because you refuse to sit in my lap. That's a, a lot of people are going to say, well, that's kind of like, that's a foreign concept to sit in God. Like he breathes stars out of his mouth and his, holds the world in his hand, but he wants me in his lap. And he says, I absolutely do, because I want to continue to show you my kindness. The thing with the attributes of God is that whenever he shows us one of them, he doesn't say, okay, I've checked that one off. They know my kindness. Let's move on to the next thing. No, he says, I've shown you my kindness, and I'm going to continue to show you that, but I'm going to show you another one. And I'm going to continue to show you that, and I'm going to show you another one. And so these attributes just continue to compound on themselves, and that's what transforms us from the person we used to be to the person we are, which is different from the person that we're going to be. That's how we just continue to grow in his likeness. Whenever he made us, he said, I'm making them in my image to grow into my likeness. So he, as we move from this point to the next point, as we grow in God, he's saying they're coming, becoming more and more like me. And then when we do that, hopefully that we are Jesus with skin on for people. To me, that's the point of my life, is for people to see Jesus in me. Even in all my fallenness and brokenness, and whenever I'm at the store and yelling at my kids, if I can still show Jesus to somebody, then my life is being fulfilled. And some, some of you may say, but well, that's not the place that God's called me to. If you know Jesus as your Savior, that's the place he's called you to period. And if you're still breathing air, he's not done with you. So where in this story do you find yourself? Are you in low Debar, the place of no communication? Are you kneeling in front of David saying, I'm your servant? Are you kneeling in front of God saying, I'm not worthy? Are you eating at his table? We're all at one of those places. And I truly believe we can move from one to the other very fluently, like, you know, I mean, it, or fluidly. It's, uh, you know, I can be eating at his table today and be in low to bar tomorrow. It's not like you've arrived somewhere. But it's the process of realizing, well, I was at his table, or for me, I was in his lap. 
And that's the place that I want to be, and I'm no longer there. God, what's going on? What's happening with me? And, and for me, there's two usually common denominators. I'm not talking to him, and I'm not reading that. And, and God is calling all of us to a deeper place of intimacy with him, no matter how deep your place of intimacy is. It's an endless space for us to go with him. And so many Christians in life want to be surface Christians. So they want to be this deep and have all the knowledge that they can have about the word. Or, but you know how much of this I've memorized? Not very much. But if somebody talks to me, it just comes whenever it comes. Uh, we, we read through the Bible every year. And this, to me... This, to me, is what gives us life. Like, the words contained in this thing is what gives us life. Without this, we are definitely in a place of no communication. The more that we consume and we, we read this for here to transform our hearts, rather than to store that in our minds the greater that that relationship and intimacy becomes. But all of us are in one of those places. So you're, you're either finding yourself in the place of no communication, in the place of unworthiness, or in the place of saying, God, I accept the kindness that you've shown me. I accept your love. I want to sit at your table. I don't want to be in the corner. And some people may think, well, God, like I can't approach God like that, like, He's too big. He's too great. He's not. He's the, the most loving, gentle, kind. You fill in the attributes you want to fill in because that's what he is. Full of mercy. Abounding in grace. That's the God that we serve. Not a, a thing way up in the sky holding a microphone or a, a, yeah, a glass magnifying glass on us for whenever we do something wrong. So I want to pray. So I want you all just to, just to focus on Jesus and say, God, show me where I'm at. If I'm in the place of no communication, I want to, I want to move to the next step, God. I want to be at the place that says, I'm your servant. I want to be at the place that says, I can sit at your table because of Jesus, I'm worthy to be there. Because of Jesus and what he did, I can sit at your table and enjoy your presence. You're not mad at me. You don't care that I'm crippled. So Jesus, right now, Lord, I just pray for fresh revelation in each person in here of where they're at, God, where you're calling them to. Lord, if they've sat at your table for years... I pray that you take them deeper. Lord, if they've been in a place of no communication for years, right now, name of Jesus, speak to them. Speak right now in the name of Jesus a clear word of your kindness, your graciousness, and your love for each one of us. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray right now for a fresh um, reignition of fire in the people's hearts that have gone 
uh, out that have gone dark, Lord, a fresh light of a, of a glowing fire in their hearts, Lord, to further your kingdom because you've called all of us to that, to further your kingdom. And that, that if they don't know where to start, they start with kindness, God. That if we have nothing else to offer, kindness is easy. Jesus, I love you. Lord, we worship you. We praise your name. You are king. Lord, I pray that, that you would put a hunger in each one of us to, to go deeper and deeper with you, God. That you make us so unsatisfied with worldly things and with where we're at uh, spiritually that we have no choice uh, but to, to go deeper, God. Jesus' name, amen. Good word. Let's give him a hand, eh? Give God a hand. Good job. Well done. I don't know if you've ever been to a restaurant where they have like a 12-course meal. Has anyone ever? Okay, you have to do this sometime in your life. All right. Uh-huh. Now you sit at a table and they just keep bringing food. And like you have to you have to just take little portions cuz you're going to be there for hours. Uh there's many countries do this but uh it's it's a it's like overwhelming. It's like there's a point at which it's like I just can't eat anymore but that's the image I got the, of sitting at the Lord's table. You know, uh and you know, he never runs out. There's another course. There's there's another attribute. There's another goodness that God wants to bring out. It's like sitting at Jessica's table in the kitchen. <laughs> we had a meal with the with the others last night. They're bringing food out. Then there's more food. <laughs> but the, these these twelve fourteen course meals where they just keep coming for hours, and everything's delicious. And God is that way. But but you're right, uh, Michael is right. We need to, you know, you need to receive it, and we're not we're not worthy, but He's worthy, and it's His worthiness that we receive His goodness, and then that makes us worthy, so that we can pour that goodness out on others. So yeah, go and be kind to one another, as the Lord is kind to you.